I know. So um, grab a plate up there, the pasta's right on the stove, serve yourself up. Brian Wansink is an expert on eating behavior. He's discovered we're often not aware of why we eat as much as we do. Sometimes it's because of something we don't give the slightest thought to, like the size of our plate. We'll bring people in, we'll give them a large plate to serve themselves, but what they don't realize is that the pasta is cold. Wansink concocts an excuse so that everyone has to get a different plate, which is slightly smaller. These things weren't the right temperature. So I'd like you to come back and just grab another plate out of the uh, cupboard there. <laughs> One of the things we find is that they'll serve themselves a second time. They won't believe they serve an amount any different than they did the first time. Did you guys notice anything different between the first time you served yourself and the second time you served yourself? It feels a lot smaller. It looks smaller. So here's one thing we found. The size of a plate tremendously biases us in terms of how much we serve. The smaller the plate, the less food people take. You serve four ounces on a 90s plate, you go, holy cow, I'll never be able to eat that. So let's take a look at what happened to you guys. Now, I have some big plate, 207 calories. The smaller plate, it dropped down to 162 calories. Whoa, that's about 40 calories, 400. If this happened three times a day, over the course of a year, by using a smaller plate, you'd end up weighing nine pounds less than you would if you had a bigger plate. Just really, really small things make this really huge difference. I hate this shit. I know <sighs> me too. I hate it so hard. I knew you would. It really feels like it plays into this sort of life hack kind of approach to there are scientific reasons that are beyond your control. And if you just fix those scientific reasons, you will become thin. And again, like any fucking fat person can tell you <laughs> having less pasta on your plate does not make you nine pounds lighter at the end yeah. of the year. Right. Like it's just, it's such weird facile logic that I think because it's coming from a researcher and because it's coming from a researcher at an Ivy League university, that it feels fancier. It feels yeah. more legit. I also love the fact that it's like this wildly artificial scenario, right? It's like it's only what appears to be college undergrads. They are all white. Hmm. They are in this weird situation where they serve themselves food. And then he says, no, no, no. We have to serve you again out of this like microwaved bowl and new plates and then they take the plates, but it's not clear, like, if they're going to eat the first thing they serve themselves. So it kind of makes sense that, like, the second time you would take less because you're like, well, do I have to eat all of this? Yeah. The whole scenario is just so fucking weird and artificial that it's like, it's not clear to me that you can actually extrapolate from this. Also, I'll tell you what, that pasta looked overcooked before it went back in the microwave. I know. It looked bad. It looked mushy by the time it came it out. So, so that bad. part's also... Like, I would take less of the, like, yes. it was already overcooked, and now it's, like, pasta mush. I mean, do you remember this context? Do you remember the book Nudge? Yes. Also, this was around the time that, like, Malcolm Gladwell sort of burst onto the scene, and we all started talking yeah. about 10,000 hours of whatever for yes. mastery. And it was a whole wave of, again, this sort of, like, life-hacking kind of stuff. Totally. That was, like, you just need to know these little... Like, they seem small, but they're really important scientific findings that will impact every other thing about your life. Yeah, I mean, this was like one of the most important, prominent ideas at the time was this idea of behavioral economics, that sort of the way that people behave is one of the books that came out at the time was called Predictably Irrational. Mm. So the canonical example that like showed up in every single article about this was organ donations. Mm. Some countries have like 17% of people 
volunteer to be organ donors. And then if you look at, I believe it was the Netherlands, it's like 60% of people. Hmm. And, you know, it seems like, oh my God, they're so much more virtuous. Like what, what's going on in the Netherlands? They're all so much nicer about their organs. And it turns out that it's just the default on the form. <laughs> in America, you have to tick a box to say, yes, I will donate my organs. And in the Netherlands, you have to tick a box that says, nope, I don't really want to donate my organs. It's the same thing with automatic voter registration. Like when people have to opt out of being a registered voter, more people are registered and more people turn out to vote. Yes. And Brian Wansink was actually a huge part of that. So the guys that wrote the Nudge book, like the, the book that basically began this entire trend in 2008, they wrote a really long review of Brian Wansink's book in New Republic. Ooh. Like this idea of sort of our eating behavior being a metaphor for all of these other behaviors, like whether we pay our taxes, which schools we send our kids to. This feels like an extremely dude way of approaching the world, which is like, oh, I know. we just need to listen to the data and then do what the data says. And that's it. It just, it was this very sort of quote unquote rationalist approach of that, you know, life can be broken down into these sort of inputs and outputs, like these little flow charts, right? And we know that people will do X if we give them Y, right? Like we can predict the ways that people are going to behave and all we need to do is follow the science and we'll be able to solve all of these social problems. Yeah. So before we get to the downfall, I just want to talk a little bit more about the kind of work that he was doing. He did a lot of workplace wellness consulting. Oh, no. I know. This is the thing. I don't want to get into it because we need to do a whole episode on like the unbelievable trash fire that is this field. But I just wanted you to read like one very brief excerpt. Like this was the kind of advice that was going around to workplaces at the time. This is an excerpt from his book, Slim by Design. And he's talking about how he's doing a consultation with Google to prevent what's called the Google 15. Fuck off. That when people start working at Google because there's like these canteens everywhere and the food is really good and it's free, everybody gains weight when they start working at Google. This is one of the ideas that he comes up with. I'm going to send this to you because I cannot get through this without tittering. Okay. To tackle the I gained weight before I knew it problem, Bob Evans, one of their software engineers, had an idea. Have you ever seen those iPhone or Android apps that let you upload a photo of yourself and it shows you what you would look like if you were 20 or 40 pounds skinnier or fatter? Oh, Mike, I hate this already. I know, it's, it, it only gets worse. <laughs> John figured out there might be a way to have a quote-unquote food scanner set up that could scan someone's tray and a camera screen in front of them would take their photo and instantly display what they would look like in a year if they ate this much food every day for lunch. Way cool <laughs> is the end of that quote. It's one of those demented fucking things I've ever heard. I hate every... So they have no concept of people with eating disorders or body dysmorphia. They have no concept of like fat people and increasing bias. They have no concept of like... A lot of the things that I care the most about. <laughs> Imagine being a fat person at Google and somebody gets their tray out and they hold it under this fucking miserable like minority report scanner and it shows them a body that looks like you. Like, what are we fucking doing here, Brian? It really feels like they're a hop, skip, and a jump away from just adding, like, an oinking sound effect or something. You know what I mean? I like, know. This is like, uh, this is like school bully shit. Oh, yeah. Woof. He also, at one point in the same chapter, suggests that employees should have to sign health declarations. Fuck off. Where they promise their employers that they're going to, like, exercise